Welcome back to another episode of We Are The Ones podcast. This is the podcast where we have extraordinary conversations with extraordinary people doing extraordinary things. And I'm so excited about today's <laughs> guest because it's absolutely no exception. But before <laughs> we jump into that, Avi, yeah. how you doing? Before, listen, you've been killing them with these outfits, Avi. Oh, oh, you got, listen. You got, you got the belly out today. I do. You got the, you got the belly I out do. today. Come on. You know I pay for my personal trainer. So if okay. I'm gonna pay for it, it better be showing. Shout out to the personal you know I mean? trainer. <laughs> Shout out to Coach Coo. You know what I mean? But yeah, but I told you I was gonna go back to Miss Eye Candy. Okay. Because she was having her sweaters and things like that. So when I went in there, I was like, okay, Miss Eye Candy, I'm back. What you got for me? She was like, actually, would you try this? I said, that's a crop top. She's like, yeah, this is cute. So I was like, good. And then these jeans, I love these jeans that she gave me as well. They're nice and stretchy and everything, mm. and they're high rise. So it actually goes good with a crop top. Okay. Look yeah. at you looking rather flawless today. You know, I'm like, too. And I see you matching with me. You know, I'm, you know, okay. Come on, Come on, Vibe. Come on, Vibe. You know? <laughs> but nah, you, you looking fly as usual. Shout out to Miss Eye Candy. Shout you know. out to you. Yeah. You just be doing me so right. So where can people find Miss Eye Candy? So they can find her at 85 Allen Street. She's right. She has a beautiful boutique, and Allen Street itself is just gorgeous. But they can also find her on Instagram. She's Miss I Candy Allen, mm. A L L E N. You can find her on Instagram as well. Y'all make sure y'all check her out. Absolutely. Yeah. I'm ready to get into our guests for today. Phenomenal guests, man. What we got going on today? Listen, uh, I had the opportunity. And I, you know, it's, it's funny too, because with many of our guests, I feel like I have somewhat of a personal relationship with a lot, a lot mm -hmm. of them. We've had some type of connection um, through something that we've done before together somehow, some way, right? Uh, you know, I had the opportunity to meet Jillian a few years ago. Uh, she was actually one of our honorees for Changemakers 30 Under 30. Yes. What, what was that? Was that last year or a couple? No, it was like... That was a long... How long ago was yeah. that? Let's see, I was in Emerging Leaders the same year, 2017. Jeez. Ooh. Yeah. You said last year. I'm yeah. old. I'm listening, yo. You know, once you turn like, 40, the memory just... It's like, <laughs> it's like last year. I'm like, yeah. yeah, it's like 10 years ago. No, because... No, 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 no. I think... What was it? I, because you were included in the program last year. I think it was. Because I think you were supposed to do a poem or something. Yeah. Right? Yeah. That's what... It, I, it was something like... I knew it. Because I, I just... I'm, I'm just looking at the visual of the promo and stuff. And I know she was in it. Okay. Yeah, so. And for some reason, you thought that was your thing she was in, though, last year. No, it was for 30 and 30. Well, it was for 30 and 30. Yeah, yeah, yeah. it was for 30 and 30. I was going to perform. I didn't. Right, yeah, oh, because you see, I think was. she was in out of town or something like that. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Gotcha. So. Okay. But yes. Okay, okay. 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 Uh, Jillian is a phenomenal talent um, that we have here in the city of Buffalo. Yes. She is she, honestly, I I think she's she's one of the gems that we have here in the city. Absolutely. You know, we don't. Uh, Absolutely. You know, Buffalo. Oftentimes, you know, I don't think we get enough recognition for the talent that we have here in the mm -hmm. city because we have some phenomenal talent. We here. do. We have some. Phenomenal we really, talent. really do. And and I think Jillian is is. She, she epitomizes that, you know, wow. she is. And we're, we're going to talk about this. 
Keep them coming. <laughs> but, but not. Don't. You know, she is. She's a. She's an activist. Yes. Um, she's a community leader. Um, and she's also Buffalo's first, first. Uh, poet laureate. Yeah. Right, did I pronounce that right? You did. I did. Very all good. Right. Okay. Because we're going to talk good, about good. it because, like, you know, all this Poet Laureate stuff, it's all new to me, mm-hmm, you yeah. know, so, but we want to talk about that. So, um, I'm so excited to have um, uh, a good friend, Jillian Hainsworth, on the podcast. Thanks so Thank much. You for so much Thank you so much, Jillian. I'm excited to be here. Yeah, Everybody pull your talk. mic in a little bit. Yeah. Make sure we can hear you. Yeah, we, yeah, we good. Right. Yeah. We good. Well, yeah. thank you for having me. Oh, absolutely. No, we appreciate you being here. So, um, Aviance always likes to say, like, we like to dive into the <laughs> to the backstory, back right? Story, you know, yeah. because we want to talk about, like, the whole, you know, the Buffalo Port Laureate stuff. Um, you know, you've been very active this year. You know, I mean, it's been a lot of lot happening in Buffalo. We're yeah. going to talk about some of it. Uh, you've been very active. But before all of that, you know, before the poetry. Because it's a lot know, we can yeah, do. Yeah, it's a we whole lot. We, we oh was doing our research, gosh. you know. Yeah. And then there's oh a my lot. Goodness, I was like, yeah. Jamil, where do we go with this? Where do we start with this? I'm like, like we got got to let it flow. However it goes, wherever it goes, it's it goes. Right? So, but um, let's let's go back. Let's go back before the, the poetry, before the activism. You know, how, you know, talk to us about, like, you and your upbringing. Like, how, what was that like for you here in Buffalo? Yeah, so I was born and raised on the east side. Yes, Thatcher. Um, yep, on Thatcher. Yeah. I moved around a lot, but I never left 14215. Okay. okay. And Thatcher. That's my zip code right now. Oh, yeah? yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes, yeah, yeah. that's home. <laughs> Thatcher is the street I lived on the longest. Okay. Um, I also bounced around to schools a lot. I heard seven, seven yeah. schools. Yeah. So, and, and what time, like, time frame? Like, how long? Bouncing around. Um, let's see. At one point, I was going to a different school every year. Um, Why? But I was at. Um, a part of it was moving, but a part of it was also like trying to find my fit. Um, okay. Yeah, like I, I went to school sometimes by myself. Like I, and I have two sisters. They're twins and they're older than me. So it was like, should we go to the same school or not? You know, like. We tried it a few times. Sometimes, you know, it got a little sticky. Um, but other times it was fine. Um, but for the most part, it was trying to figure out, like, my place, trying to find that place where I'm like, I like it here. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, where I could get in trouble, but in a good way. Like, mm-hmm. I, I, I know the fighting and the arguing and, you know, all of that kind of trouble. I did that all through school. But once I got to performing arts, mm-hmm. that's where I graduated from. I went there from 10th grade through graduation. Okay. That's when I started to like find myself and find my voice. And that's when the personality traits that some schools saw as like personality flaws, my teacher started seeing like, oh, hold on. You might have something going on here. And I love that part because when I learned that, um, was it in performing arts where you figured, where you found out that you had dyslexia? No, I didn't find that out until college. That wasn't mm. until college. That wasn't until college. Okay. In performing okay. arts, I found out that I like to use my voice and that I'm the kind of person who, even if I, I know I need to be quiet, like I'll literally bite my tongue and it's like, nope, I'm still going to say it. I got to <laughs> say it. Um, that's why I learned that I'm that person. And that's okay. where I learned how to like hone in on that. Mm-hmm. Um, I used to get kicked out of history all the time. Just, just for talking? Disputing or? the facts, oh. right? Well, that's not how I <laughs> understand disputing it. Disputing the facts? You know, I'm like, wow. hold on. <laughs> because I read, you know, and 
I, I was right. Like, I'll stand on that. I yeah, was right. Okay. Yeah, yeah. But at the same time, you know, you have to learn when it's time to be quiet and learn That's when it's time so to speak up. That's so true. And I didn't know yet. So oh. I would just speak up when the thought came to my mind. Mm -hmm. And uh, eventually my teacher stopped kicking me out. And he was like, all right, <laughs> have you ever heard of debating? I'm going to put you on the debate team. Perfect. And our compromise is just be quiet in class. Just <laughs> sit here, take the test. We'll talk about it after, but just be quiet. And after school, you can make as much noise as you want right. in debate. Mm -hmm. So I joined debate my junior year of high school, and then my senior year, I was the captain, and I was like one of Buffalo Public School Speaker of the Year. Wow. And that's where I was like, okay, like I like using my voice mm -hmm. yeah. to to represent an argument that I inherently agree with. Well, I kind of want to go back. Yeah. Reason being is because at seven years old, Jillian, mm -hmm. you were writing, you were songwriting. You, mm -hmm. you, you were a songwriter yeah. for New Bethel Church that yeah. your mother was a part of. Mm -hmm. Okay, so talk, talk about that a little bit. Where did, did your mother ask you to do that or is that something you wanted to do? No, my mom's a singer and her and her sister would write songs and they were amazing. Like, they, when they were in their teen years, they would travel around to different like church conventions mm -hmm. and sing, and they would teach choirs these songs they made up. So I just kind of was like, oh, we write songs. Like, mm -hmm. that's just what people do. Like, yeah. people sit down and write, write songs. songs. It's normal. Um, so I would write songs, and I would, my mom would be putting her makeup on, and I would teach her my little songs. They weren't good songs. She never <laughs> actually sang any of them, but she did encourage me to keep writing. She mm -hmm. would, you know, with a straight face, learn these songs um she just taught me about harmonize yeah like she would use them to teach me you know how to use my voice i grew up singing um so she would teach me like all right so when i sing this part you sing it in this key and we'll see how that sounds together mm -hmm. um so it was always just indulging me in a way that was also educating me mm -hmm. <laughs> um, yeah but yeah i started writing songs and then poetry and short stories mm -hmm. I, at a really young age, <laughs> I was an intense, I have an intense mind and I was an intense child. I wrote a book <laughs> at a young age called Death to the Death Penalty. And I, I sent these books around Whoa. to publishers. Okay. Like, listen, you know, it was a story, it was about a girl and her dad was like accused of, I forgot what the crime was. It was probably something really intense. Yeah, <laughs> um, for the death penalty. She was trying to get him exonerated. And they were in the deep south, and he was like a black mm. man. So it was it was okay. like historically accurate. Um, but just for the age I was at, you know, it was like, why are you like, girl, <laughs> go play? You how know? old were you again? Man, I don't remember how old I was when I started this story. Um, but young. But I was young. Yeah. So when when you say that you were bouncing around trying to find your fit, do you mm. feel as this? It was because you were such an intense, as you say, child? Um, no, because I was like I was intense when it came to standing on what I believed in and arguing my point and my side of things. But I'm also pretty introverted. So I was quiet. I was a reader. Like I read books nonstop. Um, and I have, I have two older sisters that are twins. So they drew a lot of attention just naturally. Okay. Mm -hmm. um, and I didn't. Mm -hmm. I was like in the background. For me, it was more like I need to find that place where I'm not defined by being the twins' younger sister, mm -hmm. yeah. where I'm also comfortable enough to share my ideas and safe enough for people to be receptive of them. Um, and I think that's what I was really looking for when I say I was looking for my place. I mm -hmm. remember going to Buffalo Academy of Science mm -hmm. and I wanted to join the choir and my teacher was like, no, you're joining Mathletes. 
And I'm like, you played yourself if you thought I was running <laughs> athletes. So it was like this constant, like, people telling me this is the area you should okay. focus on. Yeah. Yeah. And I didn't know what I wanted to do. I didn't know what I wanted to focus on. Um, was it a particular reason that they were pushing you in a certain direction? One thing I found is that <laughs> I meet a lot of people who want to push me in the direction that they went in. Yeah. Um, yeah. I remember being in college and everybody's like, you should get into higher ed. And I, I applied to a HESA program and I got in and I, you know, had a letter of recommendation from the president of my college. And they were like, we're going to give you a job here. And um, just like, you know, it, it wasn't me. Um, but I think people saw something in me and they didn't know what it was. So yeah. they were like, you know what? Let's just I'm figure just, it out. Just come with me, yeah. you know, <laughs> just take this path that I took and I'll guide you along. Um, and I, I did that for a while, you know, yeah. following people's advice, career advice. Um, now I just like, I don't now, mm. <laughs> but it took a lot of time for me to get confident enough to be like, I'm gonna go in this direction, even if I have to go by myself. Right. At what point did that switch happen where that confidence started to come in where you were like, you know what? I'm gonna I'm gonna go where, where I feel that I need to be going. Yeah. Like, um, so it started in college. Um, so I went to a predominantly white college. I went college? to Fredonia. Oh yeah, that's um, predominantly white. <laughs> Fredonia was the only college I applied to. My guidance wow. counselor was like, if you wanna go to school, here go to application to ECC. May the odds be ever in your favor. And I'm like, These no. counselors be so bad. They, they really, yeah. and that's really how so many people can relate to that them. story. Absolutely. Yeah. Oh, so I remember driving somewhere with my godparents and we drove past um, Fredonia and I was like, I'm going to go there. Like, that's the college. I bet I could get in. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and um, I applied. I got in. I got in originally for singing. Mm -hmm. um, but that's where I really learned like how to be me and who I wanted to be and what I want that to look like and mm. sound like and represent. Because when you go from living on the east side, to, which we know 85% of the black population in Buffalo live on the east side. Mm -hmm. um, your church is on the east side, your yep. school's on the east side. Everything, yeah. Everybody's black. Like mm -hmm. Buffalo's one of the most segregated cities in the country. I'm used to being surrounded by people who look like me. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Go into Fredonia, I remember my freshman year, there were three black girls, including myself, in my building, dorm building. So it was a lot of trying to figure out who I am and mm -hmm. trying to figure out how to stand on that. Yeah. Because a lot of people, they couldn't relate to my life experience. Right. Um, I left the theater music department um, pretty early mm -hmm. and was like, I'm gonna do political science. and. The most pretentious people mm -hmm. ever. Oh, I get political science degrees, mm -hmm. respectfully, but truthfully. Mm -hmm. um, so that was tough. Like being a black girl in that department where all my professors are these like white, older white men mm -hmm. with like very conservative beliefs. And my classmates have no idea how to relate yep. to somebody that didn't grow up in Orchard Park or. Yep. I don't know, middle of nowhere, New York, that I'd never heard of, you know? Um, and then things started happening around the world. Um, when I was in college, Trayvon Martin was killed. Mm -hmm. um, when I was in college, people started to challenge affirmative action. Mm -hmm. And um, I remember people started to say that certain professors in our campus, you know, white students would say like, oh, this professor's only here because of affirmative action. Um, <laughs> and for a while, I think 
you have to struggle with this internal thought like I can argue with these people but they won't try to relate to me mm. um they don't care mm-hmm. like they're they're real life trolls right like they I can argue with them um or I can organize all the other students that look like me mm-hmm. that think like me that have the same struggles that I have yeah so my mindset around what it means to to serve and what it means to um, develop as a person and help develop other people mm-hmm. completely shifted. Yeah. And it turned from me wanting to argue and make my point all the time to me wanting to craft like sustainable solutions to mm-hmm. issues because at that point, everything was an issue. Yeah. Um, I will yeah. say when Michael Brown happened, mm-hmm. you did a, a poem. Mm-hmm. And in the poem, um, I, I know you could correct me, but you were saying that basically I hope he did something mm-hmm. in order for him to, you know. So is that a poem that you actually share with your with your fellow uh, white classmates at that time? And if so, what was their reaction to something like that? So, no. So when I was in college, I didn't do too much writing. Um, I found okay. out I'm dyslexic and I lost all my confidence. I lost all my financial aid. I had to work four jobs what? to Wait, survive college. Um, so prior to finding out I'm dyslexic, I lost my financial aid because my grades were so low. Mm-hmm. And then finally, um, after getting academically dismissed, like appealing to right, get back man. in. You, me and you, um, we definitely can relate. Yeah, I, yeah, yeah. When I read that, I was like, oh, shoot, Jamil. Yeah. 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 Appealed to get back in and they let me back in, but I lost my financial aid. The state was like, listen, you're not even trying. Like, <laughs> you're on your own. Um, and I remember I took a geography class, um, geology class. It was a geology class. And uh, we were in class. We were going over a test that we had just taken and I failed the test. And my teacher was like going over the answer. She's like, okay, what's the answer to number one? And I was saying the correct answers. Right. So she pulled me aside after class and was like, I'm confused because the way you're responding to these questions, Isn't how I feel like you test. know it, but how yeah. come your test score, how come you're failing? Mm-hmm. I'm like, girl, I don't know. You tell me, like, I'm trying to figure this out too. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, so she, helped me and I ended up taking all these like tests, found out I'm dyslexic, figured out a new way to learn, a system that worked for me. But it was the process to appeal to get my financial aid back. Mm -hmm. Like it's it's not something that's like doable, you know, like the amount of steps you have to go through. Yeah, they make you jump through hoops and ladders. Yeah, and then it's like, you also like your parents are involved in that process too. So sometimes they want information from your parents oh. that your parents can't get. Right. Like, yeah. So I had to just work and I worked four jobs um, and I just struggled oh, my way yeah, through. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. college graduation day was my eviction day. And I remember having my cap and gown on, going like, I'm sitting in graduation, I'm so nervous, but I'm excited, but I'm nervous. Cause I'm like, when I get back to my apartment, my stuff might be on the street. Like the marshals might come and clear my apartment wow. out. I remember rushing back after I graduated and throwing my stuff in black garbage bags, the rest of the stuff that wasn't packed yet, because I just didn't want the embarrassment of, mm-hmm. I didn't want that day to turn into that memory, right. you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so college was a struggle all the way through. It was a fight all the way through. So writing poetry, a lot of my friends didn't even know. 
that I could do that. Which I'm so glad you met your best friend. Yes. Because <laughs> your best friend, okay, you, uh, her name is Tamiko. Yeah. Tamiko. Okay. Mm-hmm. Carrier's sister. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Shout yeah. out to my boy Kyrie. <laughs> yeah, no, yeah. no shout out. Unshout Kyrie. I'm not gonna do that to you, bro. I'm shouting you out right now. Shout out to Kyrie, dad. Okay, okay, moving right along. Moving right along. Moving right along. Best friend. Yeah, I can't condone that one. So once once you met your your best friend, your best friend is really the one that kind of. Did, do you feel like she gave you your voice or she just gave you that little pushing, that little support that you needed? Like, what, what role did she really play to get that back? Um, I think she helped validate it. So I've known her. We've been best friends since, like, the seventh grade. Um, she's always been the first person. Like, she's the first person to read Death to the Death Penalty. <laughs> um, you know, she's the person who, when I would write songs, I would send it to her. Or when I would want to post a video, I would send it to her first. Um... And there are times where I, like, I am my own worst critic. I'm very hard on myself. Um, My standard for myself is, like, is impossible, you know? (laughs) And she's the person that's like, hold on, Jill. Like, bring it back down. Like, yeah, Yeah. not too much, you know? Um, But also, like, I feel like once you become known as somebody who can help represent the people, People forget that you also need people. Mm-hmm. Like, oh, that's yeah. so true. You know, yeah. Um, yeah. a mm-hmm. lot of times when things happen, and I've I've been doing activism consistently since 2017, um, 2016 maybe, and a lot of times people call me and I'm like, yes, I need somebody to talk to. Mm-hmm. Hello, <laughs> and they're like, okay this just happened, we need you to come and you need to show up and you need to write something and can you call this person? Um, my background's in counseling. So I have people to this day who call me like, hey, you know, my cousin's about to be homeless, what should they do? Um, my baby's father has our kid and he don't, won't give him back, is that kidnapping? Like, it's constant. So you're constantly pouring out. Yeah, yeah. so I think, how does that how does that affect you mentally though? Yeah. Oh, it is exhausting. Yeah. Yeah. It's absolutely exhausting. Um, if it doesn't teach you anything, it teaches you how to have boundaries. Mm-hmm. Um, and like real boundaries. Come on. So not like mm-hmm. if you call me after seven, I'm not gonna answer. <laughs> like, no, I'm gonna answer. Mm-hmm. And it's not gonna be a nice conversation. Because <laughs> we're gonna set, you know, set the tone for the future. Mm-hmm. Um, so like Miko has definitely helped me a lot with that. And and just like having somebody that I don't have to have a cape around, you know, like mm-hmm. I have so a, a small circle. Yeah. I say I keep my tighter, my circle tighter than a Cheerio. Um, <laughs> but none of the people in my circle care that I'm a poet. Mm-hmm. Like, they don't care. They don't care that I'm an activist. They care for the sake that they know that I do work that puts me in harm's way. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. They care to the point where they know that I have a high burnout level yeah. <laughs> because of the amount of work I do. Um, but they don't care. That's not how they define me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I, I actually want you to speak to that because one thing that we say is that your, your social capital is definitely ne- needed. But another thing is like that, that sisterhood or that brotherhood that people need as, as well. Where do you think you would be right now if you didn't have that tight circle that you have? I don't know. There have been times where I've been so hurt or so tired or so defeated that I legit thought, like, I'm not going to wake up tomorrow. Like, my heart is so broken. I can't carry this. Like, I'm not going to be able to get out of bed. Like, this is it, (laughs) you know? Like, say your goodbyes. Um, 
a lot of people don't understand like the kind of work that I do and other people in our community is not like we're not planning rallies and events, mm -hmm. you know, mm -hmm. like this isn't our job. It's not our work. Right. It's literally your purpose. It's like mm -hmm. one of those things where like if your purpose is to be a firefighter, sometimes you got to run into a fire. Right. And right. it's the same thing when you do the kind of work that I do. Um, we make enemies, you know? Mm -hmm. Oh, yes. <laughs> Buffalo police, mm. we don't got a very strong relationship. You know what I mean? Like, mm -hmm. they're not fans of mine. I'm not fans of y'all. Mm -hmm. um, so uh, there's a lot of layers that come with it. Um, and then at the same time, life is happening. Yeah. Um, I remember last year, I, my second poetry book came out. And the day before my event was we buried my cousin who died suddenly. Mm -hmm. So it's like, as life is happening to me, and I'm carrying that. I have people in the community calling me yeah. constantly. Oh I'm carrying that. And then we have big things that happen that affect mm. everybody yeah. as right. a whole. Yeah. And not only do I have to carry that, but I get pushed to the front of the line. Like, okay, you do this, but do it on camera. Mm -hmm. um, and again, I'm, I'm not a, I'm not a person that's, I still don't like taking pictures. Like mm -hmm. I have a hard time taking a photo. Um, so there are times where you feel like you can get buried underneath it all and you lose yourself in it. Um, oh. And my friends remind me like not to get lost in my purpose. Like you have a purpose, but they're still you. And like you still have to exist when you're fulfilling your purpose and when you're not. Yeah. And I can't only be loved and lifted up when I'm on a stage. You know, it has yeah. to, that has to happen when I'm not. Yeah. Um, so yeah, my my tribe is the most crucial. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I would not be doing what I was doing genuinely. I wouldn't be able to. So with the work that you do, mm -hmm. obviously, when people, if you, if you, if people really know what the work of activists do, I mean, it's it's a daunting role, Ooh. right? I mean, you just talked a lot about it just mm. now. What do you do to kind of decompress? Yes. Like, what do you do to kind of, because it's, because we're, we're, con we're in this constant state of, sometimes it feels like we're in this constant state of rage mm -hmm. because of yes. all of the things that continue to happen in our mm -hmm. communities, yeah. you know, not just here locally, but just across the country and such as well. Right. right. So what do you do to kind of like this, this decompress sometimes to kind of get you, get your mind away from the, because you need that. Yeah. Um, I leave. I just, I leave, leave Buffalo just go get away. Mm -hmm. um, like activism is exhausting. And then some of us are activists and community organizers. And a lot of people don't understand the difference, right? So an activist is somebody who uses their voice, uses their platform to bring attention to a, a social issue. They use their voice to call for change. Um, but a community organizer is somebody who intentionally equips members of the community with the mm -hmm. tools to both identify oh systemic issues and then to create sustainable solutions. Mm -hmm. So community organizing, that's campaigning. Yeah. It's understanding legislative periods and knowing that you're gonna have to go harder between January and April mm -hmm. than you will between you know June and September. Um, and then yeah, with the activism, that's the emotion. Like that's mm -hmm. the anger, that's the agitation. Yeah. That's utilizing your, your social capital, your political capital to get people on the same page to call for change. So it's two jobs. So you're doing both of those things. Um, and it's a lot. 
and now I'm at a point where the best break is to leave. Um, and when you leave, do you completely disconnect? Yeah. Because sometimes people leave and they're, they're <laughs> they like, work they're with still them. like yeah. kind of, you know, one foot in, you know, and they yeah. still kind of tapped in a bit, you know, and sometimes you just need to just completely disconnect. Mm -hmm. Like, do you actually disconnect when you do leave? From, from communicating with people? Yes. I can't disconnect from writing. It's just not possible. Mm -hmm. um, even if I try, I can't. So I don't ever stop writing. Um, I do stop responding. Now, there have been times where I've been like on vacation and I get an email from like the bills and I'm like, I think I'm going to respond. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, but for the most part, I, I just don't. And there have been times, I mean, in the past few months where I will wake up one morning and be like, all right, I don't have anything to do for the next five days. I'm going to go to Florida mm -hmm. and just go. And I'm book a flight and I'm there that night. Um, so just giving myself that space. This is also though the first time that I'm a full-time like artist mm -hmm. um, in my life. I've been working since I was 14. So a lot of it is also like learning how to be in charge of myself, mm -hmm. um, <laughs> how to set my priorities and strategic plan and things like that so that I can still grow my business. Yeah. But um, yeah, I'm just giving myself grace, but I, I don't force too much on myself. I don't force myself to start writing when I'm not ready. Now, if I have a deadline right. coming up and it's like, all right, Joe, too much, like mm -hmm. sit down. Right. That's one thing, but I don't force myself. I don't force myself to wake up earlier than I'm ready to wake up. Um, creativity for me happens at night. So I, I do stay up pretty late, mm -hmm. um, but it's productive. Um, and then I, I watch things that are entertaining and fueling for mm -hmm, me. Mm -hmm. I read a lot. I feel like the better you, the more you read, the better you'll write. Um, okay. So like all of that stuff is good decompression for me. Daily is like going to the gym. Um, you know, I stop answering the phone mm -hmm. at a certain time. I'm just like done communicating. Yeah. And then just saying no and like letting oh, no be so a boring. full mm -hmm. sentence. Mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. Yeah. That's so important. I, you know, I was just having a conversation with one of my colleagues at work earlier today. We were talking about this exactly, you know, and knowing when to say enough is enough and when yeah. to say no to certain things because, you know, when you are, you know, like in a position like you're in right now, when you're thrust into this spotlight, and especially when people can see that, you know, you are someone who can provide an immense amount of value, you're gonna be been, you're gonna get pulled in so many different directions, right? And sometimes this is hard to say no to those things. I mean, I think I've mastered the art of saying no now at this point in my life, because I, I, I spent most of, <laughs> not most, but all of my thirties, mm -hmm. you know, just saying yes to everything. And burnout is real. Yeah. Oh my God. Burnout is very real, mm -hmm. you know? So it, it, it took for me to be able to be like, you know what? I know I might disappoint somebody, but I'm no good to anybody if I'm if I'm not right. Yeah, I'm yeah. still master in saying no. Yeah, but I have master being like, so what's the budget? Yeah, <laughs> oh, project? You better, um, yes, absolutely, yes. Um, but I'm still working on saying no. It's hard to say no, especially because like I love what I do. Mm -hmm. um, so sometimes I don't feel like I'm gonna be burnt out. Sometimes I just like I wake up and I'm sick. My body's just like, nope, mm -hmm. <laughs> like we're done now. Um, so for me, it's like, I gotta, I gotta remind myself like, yeah, you love this, but like chill out, like yeah. you're using your voice constantly. Yeah. Um, and that's a lot in and of itself. Yeah. Just yeah. constantly always talking. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so 
Yeah, I'm working on it though. Yeah. But yeah. I definitely asked what the budget is. Please, <laughs> Very good. Please, please. <laughs> I want you to get into your questions that you have for her because yeah. I want to get into that. Absolutely. Because bit. so we want to shift. Uh, we okay. let's let's make yeah. this shift now because you know obviously you know one of the the big roles of of the many roles that you have, but is as a poet, right? Mm-hmm. So I want to start there first. Like where did that you know, we talked a little bit uh, earlier about how you used to write poetry when you were younger, but when did that shift happen, happen where, you know, like, it was like, this is going to be something I'm going to do full time. This is something I'm going to make mm-hmm. a lifestyle um, out of. Um, it was when I wrote Little Black Boy. It was the day Officer Darren Wil- Wilson was not indicted mm. for murdering Michael Brown. Yeah. Um, and then the confirmation, like the day that I was like, yeah, I think I think I was on to something. Mm-hmm. It was February 1st of 2017 mm-hmm. when I, that was my first like performance. Like I'm, it wasn't family that asked me to do this. And it wasn't just people who know me, you know, it was somebody who has no idea who I am mm-hmm. asking me to come and share this one particular piece. Um, and I did Little Black Boy. It was the EOC's Black History Month um, celebration. And before I left that day, I had like three more Black History Month events booked. Yeah. And just from that one? Yeah. Yeah, just from yeah. that day I booked three more and then every time I would perform somewhere I would like book something else. I'm like, oh let me get a I calendar. Love it. I love it. But yeah. I don't even have a calendar. <laughs> <laughs> um and that's when I was like, yeah, this is dope. This is dope. And I feel like all of the dreams that I had that I kind of put away when I found out I was dyslexic mm-hmm. came like rushing back. That's so good. Mm. And it's like, all right, all those things that I was doing yeah. because I thought this is a good alternative, um, I don't have to do that. Like, I don't have to be about that. Like, I could really be about what I'm about. Right. Um, and I just started performing more. Mm-hmm. And yeah, by the end of that year, I remember um, I want to say Seattle, but I could be wrong, so don't quote me. But another city had installed their own poet laureate for the first time. Mm-hmm. So I'm like, oh, this is really cool. I looked up the New York State's poet laureate, and I'm like, it'll be really dope if like we had our own because mm-hmm. the things that happen in New York don't happen in Buffalo. It's mm-hmm. different, right? right? The issues they have in Addison, New York, are not the same issues that we have on the east side of Buffalo, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so like, what if we had our own? And I was like, I'm gonna be one, one day. Maybe okay. when I'm like 50, but I'm like, but we don't <laughs> have it yet. So the first goal has to be to build it. Mm-hmm. Um, you advocated for this role. Yeah, for years yeah. I went from council member to council member trying to find somebody that was willing to help me. Um, finally, Wingo was like, oh yeah, that'll be cool, I'll help Wingo. you. Um, okay. I learned how to write resolutions mm-hmm. and I helped write all the resolutions. I helped write the standards of what is expected of the Poet Laureate. Um, I still didn't think it was gonna be me though, mm-hmm. because I'm like, <laughs> you know, it's just me. Like I'm from Thatcher, you know, <laughs> like, I'm dyslexic, um, I'm young. And I know poets who've been performing longer than I've been alive. Mm, so yeah. I still didn't think it was gonna be me. And I remember one time I was doing a news interview with Wingo and he was like, yeah, and our first poet laureate is gonna be Jillian. And I'm just like, Wow, oh. he just put it out there. <laughs> Did your heart and like skip with me when he said that? So it dropped and then it just like <laughs> lifted up and I'm like, you know what, period, mm. I am. Okay. But then, so I got on Facebook that night and so many people were like, oh, who is this girl? Uh-uh, she's too young. Mm. You know, she don't she don't represent me. Yeah, of course. And that's wow. when I was like, mm, I don't know. 
I don't wow. know if I put myself out there like this. Um, but it still took some time. I, I think another year or so mm-hmm. um, for us to actually get it on the floor to a vote. No, we had enough votes. Mm-hmm. Um, so I didn't become the poet laureate until March of what's this year? 2022. So March of was it 2020. 2021. Okay, yeah. 2021. Last year. Yeah, okay. March of last year. Okay. Um, so, yeah, I'm the first one. I'm teaching on the hood how to say the word laureate. Yeah. <laughs> We're working on it. We're working on it. And you know, even my own ignorance, I, I never heard of a, a poet yeah. laureate yeah. before. Yeah. My first introduction to a poet laureate was uh, um, Joe Biden's inauguration with Amanda mm-hmm. Gorman. Right? Yeah, and after that, a lot of people were like, oh, you Amanda Gorman. And I'm like, mm, not so much, but at least we're starting to understand, you know. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, it's cool that people are starting to know what it is and starting to see the value in it. Um, so what's the role of a poet laureate? So a poet laureate's job is to write poems and perform pieces that represent a specific area. So mm-hmm. some poet laureates focus on the geography, and they talk about the mountains and the lakes and the rivers. Some poet laureates talk about, um, you know, what's made there, what that state or that city is known for. You know, mm-hmm. if I was a poet laureate in Idaho, I might be like, let's talk about these potatoes, you know? <laughs> um, some poets like me, we talk about the needs of the people. Right. And a lot of people are always like, oh, Jill, <laughs> You know, your poems, they're always just so militant, you know? <laughs> and I'm, I remind people, like, I'm a community organizer. Mm-hmm. Right. I, nobody wants to have to be a community organizer. Mm-hmm. Nobody wants to have to be an activist. Nobody wants to have to be angry or to talk about this stuff constantly. Right. We do it because it's necessary. Mm-hmm. So, if you don't want to hear these poems, like, join me in the work so we can, <laughs> so we can eradicate the problems right. and then I'll, I'll start I don't know doing poetry about love I have no idea love um, flowers and unicorns yeah I'll talk about you know the foot of fairy or something right. um, but yeah so the poet laureate just, just performs representing that whatever they they decide to focus on the mm. geography or the people um, they do a lot of city events um, city or state events because you're a representative of the city of Buffalo, correct? Yes. Okay. So I'm not employed by Buffalo, not, right. but I am oh, okay. appointed. Appointed, right? Mm-hmm. Okay. okay. So um, with it being appointed, is this like a is this like a con like a two year thing or? Yeah. So the term is two years. Um, my term will likely extend one more year. Okay. Um, because in 2021 we still weren't back for the full year to like doing events because mm-hmm. of COVID. Right. Um, but yeah, after my term is up, I will be putting out a call. For submissions for the next poet laureate, I mm. won't review submissions. I won't pick the next poet laureate. Okay. Um, it'll be a committee of people who are going to do that. My hands are hands are off of washed. it. Okay. Yeah, so it's not I unlimited term limits for no. right. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm not for unlimited term limits. Just to stamp that. Yeah. Um, no, it's not. Um, yeah, and I just I'm my my I think my main focus is just going to be making sure that the community treats the next poet laureate as the poet laureate yeah. mm. and not be like no jail. Like remember when Obama, you know, his second term was up and everybody's like that's my forever president. Mm-hmm. Like oh, yeah. I can't be the forever poet laureate. Like you <laughs> yeah. got to give the same person the same respect mm-hmm. that you gave me. So, it's going to be, you know, redefining what my role is. Yeah. You know, 
do I stay here? Am I, am I going to take the shine away from the next person if I'm here? You know, do I need to go and let them build something Flourish, of their own? Yeah. Like, I don't know what I'm going to do. Um, but yeah, I won't so, be it for forever. I kind of want to uh, steer in another di- direction. We're about to, you know, get into something that's probably very probably still still sensitive to our mm-hmm. area but i would say for me i was introduced to you through may 14th yeah um so jamil actually why don't because you were actually in the area why don't yeah. you talk about what happened on may 14th in case i know. mean i mean a lot of people you know very familiar with what <laughs> happened um on that tragic day here in buffalo but you know we had a terrorist attack you know a coward came into our community um and massacred you know, um, some very vulnerable members of our of our community, you know. Um, and w- when that happened, I remember uh, myself, uh, uh, my good friend and sister Kelly, who was actually on the pod as well, we put together a, a, um, a community vigil. And you actually spoke at that yeah. vigil, right? Mm-hmm. And one of the things that you said there, and it was something that it, it really kind of struck a nerve, um, and, you know, for a lot of people, and and this still resonates with me a lot, because around that time, the 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 thing that we were kept hearing was Buffalo strong, Buffalo mm-hmm. strong, <laughs> right? <laughs> she think of it already. <laughs> and you said, nah, we ain't. Bu- this is we ain't Buffalo strong. We got to be Buffalo honest, mm-hmm. right? So it. talk 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 about that a bit. Yeah, so I feel like when your whole face shifted too. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um, I feel like when things happen to communities, to people in general, we always praise like their strength or their resilience, you know? And I think by doing that, we almost trick ourselves into believing that our role is to be resilient all the time. Like we are here to survive and like Mm -hmm. we're not. Right. Um, What happened, okay, so my first question, right, would be what makes Buffalo strong? Because we, are still here after a mass murder because a lot of us we here you know what i mean like this is not us making a conscious decision like we're Mm. we're just living life we're here Mm. um so what is it is it the segregation is it the fact that somebody could google where are all the black people in buffalo and 14208 will pop up because it's the most densely populated area with black residents outside of new york city like is that the strength that y'all speak of like what is it because to me Again, as an activist, as an organizer, as somebody who's only focused on the east side, um, to me, what happened was a sign of the weaknesses Mm -hmm. in Buffalo. The fact that we have to set up grocery drives every day for a month Mm -hmm. to make sure people eat, that is a weakness. Mm -hmm. And we have been screaming, hey, people can't get access to food over here forever. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? What happened in May did not create a new issue for us. It just exacerbated existing issues. So we're not gonna just gloss over all of that and be like, no, we're strong. Like, no, we're not though. We're not. A community where black people don't have economic progress in 30 years is not a strong community. A community where you could build a highway through the most prominent black neighborhood and completely decimate the economic wealth of that community Mm -hmm. is not a strength. Mm -hmm. So no, like, sorry, but it's not. This is not strength. Um, We have to be honest because if we're not honest about 
what we're dealing with on a daily basis, nothing's going to change. Right. Like right. literally we're just going to go back to yeah. acting like it never happened. And then every year on May 14th, we're going to be like, never forget. Yeah, never. <laughs> we're going to have vigils. a moment of silence yep, and have vigils. People yeah. can have balloon releases and get tattoos. People are going to make it a thing. Right. But it's like, okay, well, what are we doing? Because, you know, today the killer who I, I haven't said his name since yeah, it happened. We, we won't say his name. Yeah. He, um, he pled guilty, pled guilty yeah. for a plea. Mm -hmm. Um, and USA Today called me and they're like, what do you have to say about that? Like, do you feel like him pleading guilty and, and going to, to prison for like the rest of his life is justice? To me, justice lies in prevention. Mm, like a right. just life is one where I can go to the grocery store and mm. not get shot. Mm -hmm. It's not one where I can go to the grocery store, get shot, and then my killer goes to prison. Yeah. Like, where's the prevention? So I think in pushing the narrative that, okay, we're strong because this thing happened, we're taking our eyes off the fact that even some of the people we lost in this attack have been organizing for our communities. Like there is work that has been done. The fact that this store is there is a symbol of the work that has been done. And we're not doing the work because we're bored. Mm -hmm. We're doing the work because issues exist. Yeah. So those same issues still exist. And I'm not gonna sit here and let us you know, have this pseudo strength when we really need systemic change Absolutely. in our in our community. How did you feel about the store reopening? <sighs> okay, so um, I do have a, a poem in the store. Um, let me let I me saw say, it, let me before yeah. you before you even answer that. Mm -hmm. um, I remember I, I had the opportunity to uh, to go into the store prior to it opening, mm -hmm. right? And um, as I'm walking through. You know, there was a big um, press conference, all of these press folks there, mm -hmm. people in the community um, were invited. So we, as we were walking, after they did the press conference and everything, we started to walk into the store. Mm -hmm. Like, I just, like, I'm just like, oh my God. Like, because I, I saw the video, right? Mm -hmm. And I'm like, oh my God, like, I'm, these are hollow grounds right now mm -hmm. that, 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 that I'm walking on. And I, I was just overwhelmed with emotion, yeah. right? And when I walked in, first of all, you see how beautiful, you know, they, they really redid it. It looks really nice in there. But um, the, when, the first thing that you see when you go in is, is your poem. Mm -hmm. I right? had the beautiful waterfall. And I, as I see it, I mean, I, I'm when I tell you I lost it, I, I'm, I lost it. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? I'm getting emotional now just thinking about it because it's just like, I mean, those words were so powerful. Thank you. They were so powerful, you know. So, so I, I, you know, I just wanted to, you know. Say that yeah. real quick, but yeah. So what were you saying about, you know, store reopening and all that? Yeah, so the first time I went in the store was a day before it opened. Yeah, I, um, yeah. yeah, that was that, the same day. Yep, yeah. okay. same yeah. day. My first time seeing it, and it just felt so heavy. Yeah, yeah um, I, I remember looking at my, like, old Instagram photos, or no, maybe my old tweets. Um, I don't know. I saw this picture of me with um, one of the Buffalo Bills, and I don't even look like myself. And I was just thinking like, why do I look like this? I look sick. And it was because that picture, I took that picture a few weeks after May 14th. Mm. And I was so tired. Mm -hmm. Like we had been out there for so long. So it, I think because I had to jump into helping steer the narrative and you know organizing and trying to figure out what some long-term solutions could be, I didn't have that time to like grieve. And the first time I walked in there, it just felt so heavy. Yeah. I did my rounds. I took my photos. I mm -hmm. said what I needed to say. 
and I haven't been back. When I you haven't been drive back past Tops, I can't even look at it. Wow. Um, now, with that, I will say, there are a lot of people who did not want Tops to reopen. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I understand that. Mm-hmm. It's so valid. There are a lot of people who were like, I don't have a choice. And that's valid. Mm-hmm. Um, the day before I went in Tops, I went to the memorial um, on the corner. And I worked at Open Buffalo, so I was right down the street. So I was like a regular in this Tops. Um, and there was an older woman standing next to me, and we were just, you know, making conversation. And I said, how do you feel about Tops reopening? And she said, I remember walking door to door to get petition signed for us to even have this grocery store here. Wow. I will never let somebody come into mm. my community wow. and take something that I built. Right. And mm. that offered me another perspective where it's like, I think the biggest thing that we have to get across is like whatever your feelings are about it it's valid yeah yeah like yeah. if you never step foot in there yeah. i understand mm-hmm. and if you were there the day it opened because you needed to go grocery shopping and that's the best store the closest store to you i understand um i think taking it aside with if it should have reopened and if it should not have became a big conversation and i think the more productive conversation should have been how do we create alternatives? Mm-hmm. Okay. Right. Some people don't yeah. want to go. Right. So what can we do as a community to get more grocery stores in our community? Right. Right. How right. can right. we support Alex Wright mm-hmm. so we can get the co-op to open a little bit faster? Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. what grocery store chains are willing to open in our community? Mm-hmm. I'm like, what do we do? What can we do? Because it's going to reopen. Mm-hmm. Like that decision was made with or without any of our feelings being taken into consideration. Right. Yeah. Um, I think the thing that made it sting the most, though, was the fact that Uvalde didn't reopen the school. Mm-hmm. So after seeing that they tore happen, that school down, didn't they? <gasps> Did they tear it down? There, I think really? they're they're going they're to going to tear it down. Yeah. yeah. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. wow. So after like that okay. happened, like the Sunday after it ha- or no, the Monday or Wednesday after um, what happened here, and so it was kind of like we grieved that at the same time mm-hmm. we were grieving this loss at the same time so for them to say you know we would never reopen this school like we would never subject people to come back in here mm-hmm. and then to know here we have to have this store we open have yeah, right we have, we have to, to. Yeah. because yeah. what's the alternative solution right, right. right. is it speaks it goes back to the fact that these problems existed like these mm-hmm. are bigger issues than what we've we've historically realized mm-hmm. um so yeah i i don't know if i'll go back into tops mm-hmm. um I feel honored that I was asked to to write that poem. Um, and I, I like the poem. For me, it was very healing. Mm-hmm. Um, so I hope that that's what other people get out of it. But yeah. but I have not been back inside since. Mm-hmm. And, and, and I think that's very valid. You know, I think your feelings and a lot of people's feelings are justified. Mm-hmm. Like you said, I think two things can be right at the same time. Right? Mm-hmm. You, you can... Uh, justifiably so not feel like that you want to go back yeah. into the um into that place. Um, I was an advocate for it reopening mm-hmm. for the reasons that we mentioned because there's nothing else in that area. Mm-hmm. Right? Where else are these people gonna go? Like you said, it's the most densely populated area, you know, in in the in the city. Mm-hmm. Throughout the almost throughout the state, right? Yeah. So um where are these people going to go to get, you know, access to fresh foods, vegetables, and things like that? Mm-hmm. They're going to go Banking, to- Banking, the, the, the pharmacy. Everything, right. You know, mm-hmm. they're going to go to the Arabs across the street. <laughs> you, you know what I'm saying? So it's just like, that was my main reason because I'm just like, they, th- these people in this community, they need this right now. Yeah. 
And I had a lot of people come up to me like, Jill, why would you write that poem? Like, it's like you were advocating for the store to reopen. And I often remind people like, I'm not just your poet laureate. Mm. Like, yeah. I'm, this is Buffalo, right. 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 right? And even if I don't walk in there, somebody that looks like me will. Mm -hmm. Somebody else will. So just because I'm not gonna take a picture of it every day, does not mean that it's not gonna be helpful to the people that have no choice but to go there. Mm -hmm. The people that work there who wanted this poem there. Mm -hmm. um, and the people that, that choose to go. So, you know, I'm, I'm always an advocate for making sure that my work is accessible. Um, and then for people who don't want to go in there, but like they want to read the poem, like they can read the poem on my website, they could download a graphic. Mm -hmm. I have these little buttons that I carry around when I perform that have the last stanza on it that I give out for free. So I definitely want everybody to know like, this is our poem. Yeah. And I'm treating it as something that's sacred. Um, I've had big companies ask me like, hey, can you come do this poem? Can we, can we record you doing this poem? Can we make a video? Um, and I won't, I won't commercialize that. Mm -hmm. um, so I, I do treat it as something that's sacred, but yeah. I, I think the grounds where the grocery store is needs to be treated as something that's sacred. Yeah. yeah. So before we actually wrap up, when you were talking about making sure that things are accessible, um, liter literally, no, no, no. <laughs> Liter literary mm -hmm. freedom. Mm -hmm. Okay, literary freedom. Okay, <laughs> literally works to too. <laughs> I was like, is, is, no, no, it's not an L. <laughs> so I want you to talk about that because that's mm -hmm. also something that you created to make sure that art and and the things that you are you know about are accessible as well. Mm -hmm. So talk about that a little bit before we wrap up. Yeah. So literary freedom. That's my company name. Um, one of the main things, the main reasons I formed that is to help increase literacy, access to literacy tools. You know, for me, being dyslexic and being the first poet laureate of Buffalo, that's like a conflicting, you know. <laughs> um, but there, there are things that I'm doing now that I never knew I could do, that nobody ever told me I could do. And for a lot of us, like I said, living on the east side, we don't know how big the world is yeah. and like, how many opinions there are out there and how many different ways of doing things exist. Um, and for writers, it's hard to make a living. Yes. So I remember during mm -hmm. COVID, during the shutdown, um, I was walking around, I was living on the Upper West Side at that point, and I was walking around and I was coming across these little library boxes. And like I said, I read a lot. So I would be like, oh, let me get a book. And then I would take some books, um, and that birthed Buffalo Books, which is the largest project under literary freedom. Okay, okay. Um, that's dope. So through that project, I built little library boxes and I partner up with community members who are willing to house a library box on their property. Mm -hmm. And I purchase books from local authors. Um, we're actually working on planning the first completely free book fair um, for the community. Wow. So it's really just bringing our stories directly to the people, creating a distribution stream for writers, getting some money in our pockets, um, and making sure that when kids go and pick a book out, the character is going to look like them. Yeah, and representation is everything. Yeah. It's everything. It's everything. So right now, I have a lot of libraries. A bunch of them are in the garage because now the ground's getting too cold. <laughs> um, but hopefully when the weather breaks again, uh, we'll have close to 50 
on the east side alone. That's nice. super dope. Yeah, and then wow. eventually I'll I'll focus on the west side and Riverside. Okay. Um, I'll do that at the same time. And then we'll be starting an adopt a neighborhood program. So we'll be able to adopt communities around the country and put libraries there, but also make sure that like the art, the writers whose books we're buying, they're getting distribution there. Um, Jillian, that, yeah. that's, that's huge. So in order for you to do all that, you need a team. Is there anything that, that you need right now as, in, as far as what sort of team you're looking for, type of person mm-hmm. you're looking for? Like, are you looking for something right now? Yeah, I'm like always looking for a team. I'm a team of one. Mm. Um, oh, when okay. I do hire people, <laughs> I'm typically hiring high schoolers. Okay. Typically ones that are very gifted, but just got a little bit much going on. So mm. we need to, you know, get some focus um, or just students that really take an interest in the arts. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, but I like to hire high schoolers, but I will be looking for some grownups. Um, <laughs> some, I need to work with some grownups who after a long day, we could like drink wine together. Um, Can't do that with the sometimes, teenagers. Listen, sometimes like my, one of my interns right now, she'll be like, oh, can I come to this event with you? And I'll be like, baby, they're going to be drinking. Like you can't come. No, um, not watching you. Yeah, so I will be looking for grownups. Um, some of the larger things that's like hard for me to manage is like creating merchandise. Mm-hmm. That sounds so small to some people, but for me, it's like a huge thing. I hate doing merch. I'm a very basic person, like dress wise, and everybody's not like that. And I don't know how to appeal. So <laughs> I will be like looking for people to help with designing mm-hmm. graphics. Um, I do have a booking agent, but he mainly represents me to the college market. So I do all of my bookings myself. Um, so hopefully, eventually, somebody here will open a legit and credible agency um, <laughs> so okay. we can keep it local. Um, some web stuff, you know, I'm, I definitely Oh, you just team. need a, okay, y'all hear that? Yes. Do y'all, do y'all hear hit what she needs? Up. Yeah, I need to hit her hit up. Me Come up. on now. Y'all need you to heard that. We're building, we're building something. Yeah. <laughs> um, but that's really the most important thing. Like, I have to be around people who are about getting the work done. Yes. I feel like a lot of people want the results, but not the work. They don't want to put the work in. And, you know, your legacy, like the plaques you get now and the awards you get now, that stuff is not legacy. That's not legacy Mm -hmm. work. You know, nobody cares about a trophy, you know, 50 years after you pass, you know. But being a part of, like, making sure that we teach these kids how to read, you know, building a system to making sure that our brothers and sisters that don't have English as a first language still can access quality information. Right. Um, all of that, like that's what we're doing here. So this is what I'm passionate about. Um, I cannot work with people who who are not about what they say they're about. Um, so if you're just like, oh, I'm gonna get some photo ops, nah, please don't it. come over this way. I don't even have cameras in my face. This ain't it. Um, <laughs> But if you really want to build something, like, come on. And if you have something that you are trying to build and you don't know how to build out the infrastructure, like, contact me. Like, we don't have to work on the same thing. Like, there are a lot of issues that need to be tackled at the same time around our city. So I'm always willing to support other people however I can. I can't imagine what it would be like if, like, her and Kelly rubbed elbows. (laughs) Oh, my goodness. Magic can happen. Man. So speaking of contact and people wanting to hit you up, Mm -hmm. what's the best ways for people to reach you online, social media, things like that? Yep. So on social media, you can follow me on Instagram at poet underscore Jillian underscore Hainsworth. 
Facebook's poet Jillian Hainsworth, but I have a website. Jillian with a J too. Yes, with a J. Please don't put. <laughs> not Gillian. <laughs> We're not Gillian, y'all. It's Jillian don't with do a J. That to me. <laughs> don't do it. Uh, I do have a website. It's JillThePoet.com, okay. so people can contact me directly through there. If you're interested in um, partnering with me for Buffalo Books and you want a library box, you can contact oh, me um, through the website. Um, yeah, and I'll, I'll have my my store up on my website soon. Okay. Um, but for my books, you can go to Amazon, um, and then they're available at a lot of local stores. I also sometimes have March and Black Monarchy. That's super dope. Thank now, is it wouldn't be me if mm -hmm. um, I didn't put you on the spot before we close. Okay, we could do it. Uh, we need to hear something real quick. Okay. We need to hear something real quick, you know, because I've I've had the the great fortune of hearing you perform. Uh, quite a bit, you know, um, over the past few years. But uh, we got some of our, our first generation family. They probably never heard you speak before. <laughs> so let us hear something real quick before we okay, wrap up. Okay, okay, okay. I do this piece. It's called Who's the Boss? I'm going to do it because it's my mom's favorite. Okay. And she's probably going to be the first person to watch. <laughs> Let's go. Shout out to mom. So um, when she sees me do this piece, she mouths it with me and I'm always like, don't do that. Yeah. Like this is not this is not your moment. Like keep your mouth still. <laughs> Stop. It's a proud mama, that's all it is. You know, can't even get mad. Um so yeah, this is her favorite piece. It's called Who's the Boss? It's really just to edify women. Mm. Um so yeah. All right. All right. You thought you made the sunrise. You thought you were the one. I had to bring you down a size. So I became the sun. Beamed on you heavy, had you sweating like a loaded gun. Reminder, I don't get told what to do by anyone. Don't need a savior, never been a damsel in distress. I am the dragon, I spit fire, only ashes left. I'm not a princess in a tower waiting, passing time. I am the monster you must slay before you take what's mine. I walk with pride, cause I have powers I have yet to learn. Not thought of as the head, but I can influence the head to turn. Shielded with discernment that allows me to connect the dots. And too humble to broadcast that I am she who calls the shots. I listen with my soul, so I hear words that have not been spoken. Vision so clear that I see through doors that have not been opened or open yet. I walk by faith, believing what I cannot see. With melanin of magic, life wreaks havoc, yet my soul is free. I push the culture forward. Raising generations like my child. And candy cocoa butter is what you think of when you see me smile. I carry the political weight. Never too much on my plate. Can't starve on mediocrity. Too busy getting full on great and greatness. That seeps out my pores. I always win. No need for scores. Methodic and intentional. If you need help, just ask the girls. See, ladies, we more than run the world. We're the axis on which it turns. We're the moon that makes the waters rise. We're the sun that causes land to burn. We hold down every fort, even the ones we did not build. We reach deep down inside ourselves, finding love so pure and real, a love that makes all sorrows heal and replaces them with triumph. And we conquer every jungle with more reverence than a lion. See, each great man in history had a woman right beside him, orchestrating social change, no need to get behind him. And if she did, her back was to his, so nobody would slide him. And we never miss a beat. Don't need the blueprints when you write them. We speak up for everyone, even those who won't speak up for us. And we'll fight throwing left and right until they've had enough. We can't be broken. Some don't get that and they keep on trying us. Not realizing every blow just makes us much more tough. We edify each other like only women can and we're quick to get to work. We're not afraid of dirty hands. We are everything and no, we don't always see. But a lion doesn't need a mirror to just know how to be. It is ingrained in us. The missing link God took time to create. And we'll never face a challenge that we can't annihilate. See, in society, we may be the ones they like to cross. 
but we'll handle that like everything else. So tell me, who's the boss? Mm, I wish I could snap. I wish I could snap. <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> that was amazing. Come Thank on. She, she, come on. Boss, will you hear this? You hear her over here, nah, man? I'm going to need that right on my now. wall. Yeah, seriously. I'm like, listen, we can, we can clip this up. We can, you know, you know what I'm saying? We can clip this up right here. We always want to have this now. You know what I mean? Yeah. But Jillian, that was amazing. Oh, you are amazing. Thank you so much, Jillian. Thank we thank you for everything that you're doing, just your whole your, your whole presence, your whole being. Look, you are a phenomenal leader in our city. We need you. Smiling. Yeah. That's, that's how you get Bossman smiling. When smile. you get Bossman smiling, you yeah, get you know. Yeah, yeah. But no, uh, we, we appreciate you and we will continue to edify you and lift oh, you up. Man. Everything that you have going on, anything that we can do to help support you and help amplify Absolutely. what you have going on, you know, you're always welcome back here. Thank you know, you. so absolutely. we appreciate you. So thank you so thank much, Jillian. Thank you for having me. Thank no, you. Absolutely. We thank you guys for tuning in to another yes. episode of We Are the Ones Podcast. Make sure that you check us out on all of the major streaming platforms, including Apple Podcasts, Spotify, iHeartRadio, and Audible as well. Bam. Follow us on YouTube. Make sure you uh, you rate, comment, subscribe, all of that stuff on YouTube because it helps the algorithm. We trying to we're trying to get up there, y'all. So <laughs> we need y'all help with that. Uh, follow us on Instagram as well at We Are the Ones Podcast and also on Facebook at We Are The Ones Podcast. And remember, keep winning on purpose because you're the one we've been waiting for. Thanks for checking out another episode of We Are The Ones Podcast. Make sure you subscribe and listen to our podcast on any of your favorite streaming platforms, including Apple Podcasts, Spotify, iHeartRadio, and even on Audible. And then make sure you follow us on all of our social media platforms on Facebook and Instagram at We Are The Ones Podcast. And make sure you subscribe, like, comment, and share. Because remember, you are not just the one. We are the ones.